supreme need of our time is for men to learn to live together in peace and harmony. I have directed the continued and increased close surveillance of Cuba and its military buildup. This is a strong nation. This is a compassionate nation. This is a decent nation. And this is a nation that will not let terrorists change our way of life. And with eyes fixed on the horizon and God's grace upon us, we carried forth that great gift of freedom and delivered it safely to future generations. Welcome to the American Perspective. I am Joshua Newmark, and joining me today is Enrique Taylor. Enrique, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Hey, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Uh, the reason why I brought you on today, and the listeners don't know this, is I, I caught one of your live streams on Twitter, and I found it fascinating. You have a very different perspective than most people your age. Um, so before we begin, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. So I'm 27. Um, I'm from Philadelphia. I grew up in the hood. My grandmother raised me. Um, my mom had me at 17, so she wasn't in a position to really take care of me when I was born. And she was having like guy troubles. So it wasn't the perfect family system, I guess you could say. So my grandmother took it upon herself to bring me home from the hospital and raise me at their own. So we, coming up, my grandmom was a nurse, and then eventually she stopped doing that once her health started deteriorating and switched over to, like, retail and stuff. But we lived in a two-bedroom house, modern house in South Philadelphia. Um, we were one of, like, the first black families to move on our block. Um, we lived there for seven years, and over the course of that seven years, the dynamic of the block changed, like, as the years went by more and more other black families moved on the block when primarily it was mostly Italians that lived on our block when we started. Um, she brought me up, like, I, she put a real emphasis on school. Um, I, I, I had to do my homework as soon as I got home. I wasn't allowed to go outside and play until after my homework was done, regardless of what was going on outside. It was more important to make sure that my work was done. She would check it, double check it, and then I was free to go and be a kid. Um, a lot of kids today, I notice, don't have the same emphasis, I guess, on putting their education first. Like I know kids and stuff that are younger from the younger generations and like I'll hear conversations and, or I'll see them, I'll be at someone's house and it'll be during the school day and they'll, they'll be home. And I'm like, well, why aren't you in school? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, my dad said I didn't have to go. I'm like, well, I didn't have that option <laughs> when I was your age. I was like, even when I got older to the point when I was in middle and high school, I never had an option of like, oh, I'm going to skip school today. It was like, if I skip school, I probably get my butt beat or I got right. my game system taken from me. I wasn't going to get my allowance. I would have to go without a haircut. Like there were repercussions for yeah. me not doing well in school. Yeah, definitely and, something that not many people experience. Yeah, it was the same for me growing up. You know, parents had account. You, they were accountable for us. Yeah, I feel like today's generation just they let 
certain parents, and I don't want to speak broadly and paint with a broad brush and say it's everyone, but a, a large amount of the younger parents that I know, they let their kids have, I guess, more control than my grandmother allowed me to have. Like, I didn't view my grandmother as my friend. I viewed her as my mother. And I think that dynamic is what made our relationship what it was. I knew the boundaries. I knew what certain, like, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even curse in front of my grandmother. Sure. I wouldn't even say like fake curse words like heck or <laughs> like I would say freak instead of the F word and I would still get popped in the mouth. And then after I stopped saying those words, like there was a certain composure that I kept around her and it was out of respect. And I feel like I hear kids today, they'll be cursing up a storm. They'll raise their voices at their moms and stuff. And I'm just like, I wouldn't think I wouldn't have even attempted to do the things that you do, not necessarily out of fear, but just out of respect. respect. Yeah. It was like, I knew, I knew better. And it was instilled in me that there's a certain way you talk to people. You talk to people who, the way you want to be treated for one. And if someone's older than you by a significant amount, I was taught to respect my elders, mm -hmm. whether they be related to me or whether it just be a random stranger on the street or someone I meet at work, whatever the case may be, I knew how to compose myself in front of those people. Like even today, I'm 27. I'll be 28 next month. And if I'm in front of like elderly people, like if I'm at a friend's house and like her grandma's there and her aunts and stuff are there, I'll curb my language out of respect. And they're like, well, you're grown. You can talk. And I'm like, no, it's, it's out of respect for you. Well, let me ask you this on that subject. Do you think a lot of problems that we're experiencing today is the lack of respect that people have? Yes. And I, I think there's a, I think it's emphasized or not emphasized. It's, what's the word? It's promoted in a way in the movies that we watch, the shows that come on TV, even the content of like, cartoons has changed dramatically from the cartoons that I watched growing up. Like when I was growing up, it was Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon right. and Digimon. We had like little, like there were, were kid-oriented shows. And today I feel like they try to incorporate more mature themes mm. into the cartoons. And I'm like, well, this is Cartoon Network. I'm like, is this show necessarily for kids that are like eight, nine, and 10? Or are you gearing this toward like 17 and 18-year-olds? And it's like, I can't tell because you're blurring the line. Right. And it's like, when I was a kid, I, that line wasn't blurred. I knew the show I was watching was, it was a kid show. And I feel like a lot of the movies, a lot of the shows that come out, new series and stuff that get promoted on Netflix, every time I see a preview or a trailer for something, it's really adult-like. And I'm like, well, if you expect kids to go and see this movie, there should be certain, I guess, criteria for, you know, however they do, however Hollywood handles their rating system. But I look at things and I'll be like, well, I wouldn't take my son or daughter if I had any to see this. And it's not necessarily it's like the movie may look good, but it's like certain things I don't, certain topics and things shouldn't be, I feel like you should be a certain age before being exposed to them. And I feel like this generation exposes our younger, most vulnerable people where your brain's still developing, you're still coming into your own self, you're still becoming who you are and you might be impressionable and the impression that's being made by the media in Hollywood isn't a good one. Like we see all these reality TV shows and often within the African-American community, the shows always play to the stereotypes. Right. And then people have 
like the audacity to get mad or when 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 someone mistakenly will say something or make a reference and it's based on a stereotype and it's like well call out that individual right there in that instance yes but at the same time you have to look at our culture as a whole and the things that we're promoting the things that we take pride in mm-hmm. and if you're sitting there putting attention and praising the behavior that you see on love and hip-hop as opposed to the kind of shows that like back when I was a kid, we had the Bill Cosby show, even though he ended up being a totally different person, but the values that were instilled in that show when it came on TV were based on family, having respect, self-dignity. You had the Cosby, like there are a bunch of shows, good times. There are so many shows that were based on family values and the home unit as a whole and just hard work ethic. And now today it's all about people being half naked, people getting drunk and throwing drinks. Mm-hmm. they make it seem as if the only careers that black people will ever want to pursue are careers in music or careers in sports. And I'm like, that's not our community. Every individual race, racial community within the country is so more expansive than any reality TV show could try to propagate. And it's like for those to be the stereotypes that y'all pick to bring focus on, like why not put a show out? where we're focused on the family or different types of careers. Not everyone wants to be a basketball football player. Right. Not everybody wants to be a rapper. Some people yearn to be doctors and lawyers, policemen, firefighters, hospital workers, nurses. Like the, the list goes on. It's just like, if we put more, I feel like the focus, you can have those shows, it's entertainment. But don't let that be, don't promote it as if this, that's the end all be all. Like, hey, look. America, this is what the African-American community does. This is how most of us act. And it's like, no, these are rich elite celebrities who have millions of dollars who get paid more money to go on TV and act stupid. And they're not representative, at least in my eyes, they're not representative of the majority of the community as a whole. And it's just like, yeah, there are some people who act like that and carry themselves that way, but don't make it seem as if that's how even a, a large majority of us act because it's not. And I feel like I, I, I get irritated when I see the constant promotion of those type of shows. And every time a new movie comes out with like an all black cast, it'll be some, some way, somehow they'll incorporate stereotypes for all the characters. And I'll be watching like, well, what about, the, I, I understand it's a movie and you're trying to make a buck, but there are more, there are different character types than the ones that you're portraying in this film. And it's like, these are, like I said, stereotypical views of, oh, this is how we act. Right. And it's like, this, is, this isn't reflective of the reality. And you're promoting our culture, my culture, to the world as this, instead of giving a, a wholesome view. And it's like, I feel like it's, it's purposeful to a degree. Yeah. And this is exactly why I, I invited you to talk with me today, because your perspective on, on uh, inequality, racism, all these different topics, uh, it, was, it was quite refreshing because given your age um, and a little bit of your background, again, most people think automatically you should act, think, talk, and vote a certain way. Um, and, and I think that in your, in your live stream, you demonstrated that you have your own mind. Um, and you're bringing up really good, really good points. I've even noticed through Netflix that they're pushing agendas on all kinds of topics. One of the shows 
that I was really looking forward to and I was incredibly disappointed with was Family Reunion. Have you seen yeah. I, no, I, I saw a trailer for it, but I haven't watched. I love Loretta Devine. I will watch anything. I mean, she's been doing great with Tyler Perry's movies and bits. Yeah, she's a, she's a really great actress. Oh, yeah. Um, and as I started to watch just the first episode, they were pushing um, some teenagers that they weren't part of the group because they didn't know or support Black Panther. Mm. Um, then they got into other things because they, the girls talked white. I mean, this is what's actually, you know, being pushed. And it's like, yeah, it, it's an agenda. It's not a, a unifying thing. Like you brought up before the Cosby show, right? Mm-hmm. Bill Cosby being controversial now was very ahead of his time in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. That's, that's what made the controversy that came up so unfortunate because it's like, we, revered this man and to a certain extent for the values that were promoted on his show like he owned or at least i believe he owns like a large portion of temple university or he's mm-hmm. one of their like beneficiaries or whatever and i'm like i had a positive view of who bill cosby was as a person so when the story first came out i was totally taken aback i'm like wow this is what you you know get into behind closed doors and it it it, it was like a huge turn off to how much respect I had for him growing up. So, but it's, it's the, so much has changed. You know, I felt for a while, granted, nothing's ever going to be perfect, right? Yeah. People are going to be people They're They're either inherently good or they're inherently evil. It's just, yeah, you're going to have it. Right. Yeah. So it it, it's almost though, like things are shifting. Uh, what have you seen or experienced that, that got you into talking about this? Because it is a controversial topic now, which it shouldn't be. Um, so I want to say back during the 2016 election, I, like, I've always like paid attention to politics to a degree, but I never really spoke how I would feel about individual issues. Like if you knew me personally, people that were around me, they would hear me give a soundbite here and there about a particular, like if I saw a news story or read something in the paper or something popped up on my timeline, I'd give a brief comment, but I never felt really comfortable just speaking about how I felt. And it wasn't really because it wasn't out of like a fear. It was just out of a, a sense of, I know why I feel the way I feel. And it's like to try to constantly have to defend yourself and explain that to other people can become nerve wracking to a sense. And once Trump came out, it was just like, well, here's somebody who's saying, you know, this is me, take me or leave me. And just him being so bold in his approach to the presidency in and of itself was like, wow, here's someone who's not giving us the fake smiles and the, you know, holding babies and right. everything that people, when you watch a TV show, like, oh, this is how the American presidency is presented. And it was like, well, I feel more comfortable being myself, speaking on the things that I feel like need to be spoken to. And I know that there's going to be backlash, it's going to be pushback, but what type of life am I living if I don't feel comfortable living in the freest country in the world and speaking as if I'm actually free? And so the watching, like at first, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't a fan of his at all. 
Um, and that was largely based on like I like I I like him personally because I've seen The Apprentice and right. he's mentioned in so many different rap lyrics. Like Donald Trump was like the guy that within our culture people would want to be. Like he was the ideal millionaire. Like everybody wants to be like Donald Trump. And so when I would watch the news, like originally I was a Bernie guy. And because I was just like, I can't deal with the establishment. Hillary just wasn't, I've never liked her. Yeah, like personally. Exactly. <laughs> I just feel like she's not, her likability factor is I just feel she was stale. She was like a, a statue to me. Like even when she was Secretary of State, back when she was First Lady and I was a kid, it was like, I just never, never thought fondly of her. Yeah. So once the thing, once the emails came out, we found out the whole DNC scandal and how she had set it up so that Bernie wouldn't win the nomination. I was like, wow, this is, these are the things they do. So it made me look at the other side for potential. I'm like, well, Trump isn't the typical Republican candidate. He's no Jeb Bush. He's no Ted Cruz. But mm-hmm. he's speaking on things in a way that it's like he's, he's the politician. That he's, he's a layman's term politician. And I feel like he spoke about issues that people were concerned about, but he did it in a way where the average person watching the news or watching a rally People are like, oh, okay, I understand what you're saying. You're not trying to sell me this pipe dream. You're not trying to ignore the reality. You're not trying to make it real pretty before you present it to me. You're telling me how it is. Mm-hmm. I may not like what you're saying, but I can't necessarily dispute what you're saying because it's the actual reality of what things are. And I would watch the news and they would, there would be a clip that they would play. They'd play like a 10, 20 second clip of him saying something. And then the panel would delve into discussion about, oh, that was racist, or he's doing this, he's doing that. And I'm like, well, okay, let me, let, let me go look. I, I don't like to just see things. I like, I like to have context for when I hear sound bites. Um, so I would go on YouTube and look up like a whole rally, and I'd watch all the entire thing. And I'd be like, that's not, if I, if I left my judgment up to strictly what was presented to me when I was watching the CNN video, I would hate his guts. But going and hearing him actually speak in context and hearing what led up to the couple sentences before what he said and the sentences following what he said and then the overall message of what it is that he was trying to get across. Yeah, he doesn't, every, he doesn't say everything perfectly. He has his missed lips where I was like, all right, you could have said that. I know what you're trying to say, but you right. could have said it a little bit better so that people don't think that you're trying to say it this way. Yeah. And I understand you're human. He, I, I appreciate that he has flaws. So I don't expect perfection. And I think for too long, politicians from the presidency all the way on down have just been trying to present this perfect model of what they think, I guess, a human or what an American is supposed to act like and embody. And I understand, yeah, we are a country of ideals. We have morals. There's integrity, there are ethics, there's a way to, can't, to carry yourself to a degree. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you're, if you're so focused on upholding all of that and in the process along the way, you're not giving me factual information. You're not telling me how things are on the ground. You're telling me how things are in your idealistic vision of what the country should be. And it's okay to be an idealist to a degree, but at the end of the day, we live in reality. Right. And so if you're selling me this dream, it's like, oh, we should do this and do that. And it's like, okay, that sounds good. It, I, I, it sounds like a good idea, but how are you going to implement that on a practical level? And 
I'm really pragmatic. It's like if something as good as something can sound, if it can't be done in a feasible way, then I'm not going to waste my time even enjoying the ideal that you're selling. It's like, okay, that that's good to write a book on, make a movie about it. But this is the real world and you have opposition from the opposing party. You have to think about like, what things can you actually get done as opposed to just promising this, 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 and that. And then when it comes down to governing, you can't get any of your legislation through because you didn't think about the pushback that you would get from the other side. Cause you're not governing for just the people, your base, you're not governing for just the people that voted for you that had signs of you in their yard. You're governing the entire country. And every no one, no no group of people are ever going to agree on one specific way to handle something. So if you're not willing to compromise and negotiate on things, it's it's not going to work. And I feel like a lot of these politicians they present themselves in a way where it's like, oh hey, I'm this perfect perfect person. Despite what you may have heard, these are my ideas, and they aren't. They 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 could be beneficial if we lived in a perfect world where you could just press a button and something would be made into law. Okay, yeah, maybe it, it might have a good effect, but at the end of the day, that's not how the government works. So for you not to take into consideration, you know, the effects of what what is this policy? Okay, it sounds like a good policy, but three years from now, what are the possible side effects that are going to start unraveling on the everyday person thanks to that policy? Yeah. And I feel like you have to have the ability of foresight when being a politician. And a lot of the people that present themselves don't. And it ends up turning into like it's, it's just a it's a huge farce. And like, Donald Trump was the only person that was speaking genuinely to me. I was like, okay, I may not like what you're saying, I may not like the way you said it, but I know that you're being you, right? And that this is, you're not faking the funk for anyone. And I can I can respect that. Yeah, and I have the same the same viewpoint on that. I, I feel the same way most of the time. Um, let me ask you this. They, in my, in my opinion, anyway, politicians have been weaponizing words for their own political gain. They call Trump a racist, a misogynist, homophobic, mm-hmm. uh, anti, you know, they call him anti-Semitic. Yeah. They call him anti-Muslim. What are you seeing? Or is any of this true? Are you seeing any of this or yeah, hearing any um, of it? I feel like, like all, I, I try to stay off Facebook because like the, the difference between my Twitter feed, my Facebook feed, and my Instagram feed is like three different universes. So when I'm on Facebook, most of my friends are liberal, and I'll see people reposting articles and just posting statuses, and everything will be centered around either him being racist or him being a misogynist or him being a homophobe. And as someone who's black and gay, I was like, well, I don't see, I, I don't, I don't agree with that take of him. I was like, it's okay for individuals to, you know, if you feel like somebody said something and you feel like what they said was racist, to a degree, I can't really argue with how you personally feel about something. But that's you're you're entitled to feel that way. But don't present that narrative as objective truth. Mm-hmm. That's how you felt about something. And I feel like the media, instead of you know, parsing their words and saying, well, I feel as though Trump is a racist, or I feel as though that comment was racist, even though he may not be. But instead, they say it as if it's a definite, like, it's the end, like, it's, no, he's racist. There's no question about it. No, he, he, he hates gays. He's a homophobe. He, he hates women. And it's like, well, you, when you look at the 
the, the policies and the reality of it, someone who's a misogynist isn't going to be promoting women to all these posts. Exactly. Like we have the first female CIA director and it's like someone who doesn't like women isn't going to, they, there would be a bunch of guys in all these positions. They wouldn't even think to nominate a woman for anything. Mm -hmm. For someone who's a homophobe, you wouldn't have a gay ambassador to Germany. You wouldn't put, you wouldn't launch a campaign to decriminalize homosexuality in other countries where these countries hang people, burn people alive, throw them off rooftops. Yeah. They do all kinds of horrible things to people just for being gay. You wouldn't launch a campaign to combat against that. If you yourself didn't like gays, for, mm-hmm. if that was the case, you'd be like, Oh, they're getting rid of the people I don't like. Why would we intervene in that? We'll see. And then you've got a lot of politicians and, and leftist thinking that says he's just doing it to cover it up. And he's, it's just a fake facade. And, that, and that's, that's the one thing I don't, I was like, that's the one thing you don't have to worry about with Trump. If there were another politician that was, you know, the typical mold, I, I, I might be willing to buy into that. Well, no, this is just PR. This is just for the sake of trying to score points. But at this point in time, the narrative has already been set up that in these people's minds, he embodies these things. The poll numbers are as low as they are because a large portion of the American people have accepted the narrative that the media has been giving them. And if the objective was simply to make myself look good or try to make myself look good, to cover up what I actually am, it's not, it's not, it's not helping. It's right. like, he's, he's, like I said, he's a genuine person. So I don't feel as though he would waste his time trying to, do something just for PR, just to say, oh, well, this is just so that you can't say that I'm this. I really am. But just so you can't say, you're going to say I am regardless of what I do. So I don't think he would go out of his way to do something to specifically combat against that if it, if it wasn't from a genuine place of no. I, I take issue with gays being thrown off of buildings. So I'm going to start an initiative to combat that. If it was just me oh, trying to look good and gain gay voters, most likely that's not going to happen because the narrative has already been set by the media and people's minds are made up. But at the end of the day, because he's a human and he actually cares, he's still pushing policy that's beneficial to the people that do not like him. Right. That's like when he, when he constantly cites the low unemployment numbers for the African-American community okay, unemployment went down under Obama's second term. By the end of his first term, unemployment had actually went up. And then oh, during, sure. the, like, during like the last three years of the second term, it started to go down. I give Obama credit for that. Round of applause. You did a good job. That's great. But when Trump took office, things, the economy jumped to a whole new level that we hadn't seen when Obama was in office. And the same way Obama increased unemployment during his first term, African-American unemployment as of last month, I haven't looked at the August numbers, but as of July, from the time he took office to now has dropped 1.7%. So Obama, you had four years and you, you raised it up a point. He had, we're not, we're not even in the fourth year yet. We're in our third year and we've already dropped it almost 2%. That's See, positive. That's a good thing. I would even interject as, as an economist, you could look at the second half of Obama's term 
was basically a guaranteed gain because after you've dipped through a recession depression, your numbers are going to come back up as you recover yeah. and slow. But I never saw anything that he did to, to make it better, you know? Yeah. And there, there was never any people like people in the African-American community, they treat Obama as if he was Jesus. And it's simply based on the fact that he was a similar face. He was black. I got blacked into voting. I only voted for Obama because it was, it was a history making moment. Right. I didn't really pay attention to what policies he was pushing. I didn't start really paying attention to the things that he was, he was, he was saying until the second term. First term it was, Oh, Hey, we're making monumental change. Didn't like Hillary anyway. So I'm like, here's a black guy running. Yeah. I'll vote See, let me stop you there. Cause here's something that I, it always kind of bothered me. Obama wasn't black. He was yeah. biracial. And if there was one man that could have ever united the country once and for all, yeah. it would have been someone that would, that because you're biracial, you should have been able to bring all the races yeah. together. And he never did that. He always took a side. And, yeah. and, and just as, as you were explaining it, uh, most Americans still say he was a black man. Well, in our definitions today, right or wrong, it's, yeah. it's an incorrect description. And people should have been, I, it was a historical moment, but the times that are historic are the ones you don't anticipate. Yeah. And, and they made it that way. And just like we need a, a woman president, everybody else around the world is having, you know, female prime ministers, presidents, mm -hmm. You know, here in America, we're just now kind of changing. Yeah. But forced change is never a good change. Yeah, and I think that's, that's one of the primary reasons why Hillary wasn't successful. It's like you try to force the idea of, okay, we're finally going to break this glass ceiling. We're going to elect a woman to office. And while the sentiment behind it is, yeah, that would be history. But if let's take away her gender what are her policies? What, what, what is it that she's trying to do? I'm all for having a woman in office, but and it may sound wrong, but it has to be the right woman. It has to be someone who's going to govern the right way and do things that benefit the American people, not someone who's beholden to special interests. Yeah. Hillary is as swampy, <laughs> was as swampy of a candidate as you could get. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and my biggest argument with her, my dislike she stayed with Bill Clinton after what he put her through, mm -hmm. you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of Americans go, well, it, it wasn't illegal. Actually it is. Adultery is a mm -hmm. felony in the United States. And as president, you should be setting an example. And he had an affair, whatever level you want to call it, even sexting today uh, yeah. is wrong. If you're in a relationship with somebody and he humiliated her. And what did she do? She turned around and she stuck with him. And the only reason why she's done it was for her own personal gain. Yes. I, I've always said that. I said she she got hurt. He did what he did. In, in the process of you doing that, not only did you disrespect her, but you, you disrespected her in front of for, in, in the public eye for the, entire, for the entire country, for the entire world to see. And you did it while in office. That's like mm -hmm. when people try to make the comparison to the whole Stormy Daniels thing. 
I was like, yes, Trump was wrong for cheating on his wife, but this happened before he was in office. He didn't desecrate the office itself by having an affair. Now, if we find out next year that he's screwing someone on the side, yeah, I'll have some things to say. Right. But I'm not going to condemn someone for being like, I'm, I'm against cheating. But if you did it, you did it. it you, weren't on, you, weren't in, you weren't in the people's office. You didn't represent me at the time. You were a private citizen making private choices. And if you just made a choice that my, I myself wouldn't be willing to make, that's on you. I'm, it's not my job to sit up here and preach to you and reprimand you for it. You, I hope you learn from the experience. I hope it was a, a moment of growth for you and Melania and that ultimately it brought your family closer together, but you didn't humiliate her in front of the entire, it was a private, you know, it was a private affair between you and your family. It's not right. like everyone across the planet knew that you were cheating on your wife. We didn't know until after the fact, once I'm sure you guys have already gotten through your healing process. Hillary, on the other hand, you got humiliated on the world stage and then you, re- I'm sure something must have clicked in her head where, okay, I'm at where I'm at because I'm his wife. Right. And if I'm going to, if, if I want to really make something of myself in this political world, I'm going to have to stick this out. And she did it. She stayed by him. And like it was for her own, for her own personal political gain. He knows all the people who are all the people. You're the president of the United States for crying out loud. Anyone who's anyone, he would have connections to. So you use that to your advantage. And I, I applaud her for it. Like you, 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 you stayed in the situation to, I guess, in a way, better yourself. But at the same time, you can't go around and preach to other women about, you know, family values and things like that when you yourself stayed in a situation that should have been by any for us regular folk who don't have the millions of dollars to just fall back on and the the cocktail parties with all the elites in the world for an ordinary person going through a situation like that he would have been left yeah he she would have left him and you so know, I think it's I think it's like spitting in the face of like regular people who don't have the luxury of saying, oh, well, no, yeah, it was bad. I'm heartbroken, but I'll stay because I want to be someone in the political world. You know, one of the things that Tulsi Gabbard, um, who's running for president, uh, I don't mind her too much. I think if I if I had to get stuck with a Democrat, I wouldn't mind Tulsi Gabbard. Um, but one of the things that she said really bothered me. Uh, she was getting interviewed by TMZ after the, one of the debates recently. Mm. She was talking about how those that are running for office shouldn't be held accountable for what they did in the past. The past is the past and they should be forgiven. And I'm like, you know what? Except it's Trump. Trump doesn't get a pass on what he did before yeah. or what he said before. So, you know, this, this double standard. Yeah. If you're going to apply a standard, apply it to everyone. Right. And it's like, don't, 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 that's the one thing I feel like that irritates me the most when I, when I hear stories and read things in the paper and see it on the news, it'll be the thing that you're getting so bent out of shape and mad at him for will be something that had it been done, or even when it was done in certain instances, depending on what it is you're talking about, when it is done by someone in their party or on their side of the aisle, they turn the blind eye to it. Like they don't. Mm -hmm. 
they don't or they don't speak on it in, with the same veracity that they do when he does it. Like the Joe Biden comment that I made a video about on my page. Um, like when you say something ex- that I consider explicitly racist, when you say, well, why are, you know, poor kids are just as talented as white kids, as if white kids should be the exception to being poor. Mm-hmm. And whether he said it, whether it was, you know, whether he's a racist or not, I don't know the man. I don't know his heart. So I, I would never just label someone that based off of one quote. But the quote itself was racist. And had it been said by Trump, I can only imagine the backlash. But when Joe Biden says it, and yeah. you watch the coverage of it, you not once did any of you pundits accuse him of being racist. Not once. You said it, they referred to it as a gaffe. It was a right. slip of the tongue. It was something, oh, you know, Joe being Joe, he has these moments where he says things incorrectly. And I'm like, that's, you know, that's, that's quite a standard. Not, I mean, yeah, he does have these moments, but when it comes to like race relations and being mindful you, you know, you you guys always bash Trump for not being quote unquote mindful of the things he says before he says them. I would hope that someone as seasoned politically as Joe Biden, as you've been in politics for ages before I was born. So it's like, how is it that you're, you have so much experience that you, that you try to use as a, a reason for why I should vote for you. But yet all those years of experience and knowing how to be a politician, the typical fit the mold politician you know you, you should know better so when you said it yeah you switched the like that like you tried to switch around and you know you caught yourself but for that to even come out of your mouth yeah was i was taken back and for the media to sit there and try to sweep it under the bar like oh no that's it, it was it was an accident when yeah. it had trump said it you never give him that benefit there's a lot of people on the left even democrat candidates um i've caught quite a few on twitter especially uh, that they're either Latino, Latina, wh- however people want to be identified. It's, it's getting mm-hmm. confusing, but um, even some, some black candidates, and now we've got some white candidates that are all saying white people uh, are the racist. They're the white supremacists. Trump supporters are white supremacists. Oddly enough, it's a good mix of people for Trump supporters. But the other thing of if you're, and I'm, I'm quoting this, if you are brown or person of color, you cannot be racist. Fact. Do you agree? And no, that is not true at all. Uh, I actually had an argument with a close friend of mine the other day about this. Um, they had said something. We, were, we went to, in Philadelphia, we have like Chinese stores. Well, they have Chinese stores everywhere. Yeah. But we went to, um, it's a corner store it's owned by Chinese people. So we went there and got food and something happened and it it was like the person behind the counter was being rude, but my friend made a remark about, you know, the stereotype that Chinese people cook cats and dogs and we're not really eating chicken or beef. Right. And I I was irritated when my friend said it. And so when we left out of the store, we were coming back down the block. I was like, you know, that was, that was racist to say. And they were like, huh? I'm like, that was racist to say. I was like, for you to, infer that the food that you're eating isn't beef or isn't beef or chicken it's cat and dog I'm like that's a, a known stereotype that people try to label the asian community with i was like and it's not it's it's like it may be hee hee ha ha you know in the moment when you're behind closed doors with your friends i said but as someone who tries to be aware 
of the things that I laugh at. I was like, it's not something, I was like, you shouldn't feel comfortable saying that. And they were like, that's not racist. I'm black. I can't be racist. And I was like, well, what made you say that? I was like, racism is a, isn't it this exclusive, you know, dynamic between whites and blacks. I was like, it's something where if you feel as though your race is superior to another race, you're racist. If you say something that degrades another race based on just the race, not you degrading a person based on their personal characteristics or their character or, you know, the things they say, but oh, the reason why I'm criticizing you is because of your race. You just literally criticized her. And the thing that came out of your mouth was, well, because you're Chinese, that's racist. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, black people, I feel like a large portion of us, for some reason, have been suckered into thinking that we can't be racist and that racism is something that only exists between whites and blacks. And it can only be given it can only be issued from the white side toward the black side i was like and then they try to if we say something they're like oh well, there's no such thing as reverse racism i'm like no there isn't racism is just racism right uh, i was like if you're a black person saying that like when i hear people i'll i'll read comments on videos on youtube and on instagram and just be disgusted at the things i see like people will say oh white people are all racist or white people are this, white people are that and I'm like, you don't realize that by invoking that stereotype that you yourself are being racist. And I, I, the example I always try to give people, I was like, if a white person were to say, well, black people are lazy or, you know, black people are thugs, black people are criminals. I was like, that would be something racist to say. I was like, so for you to try to put an entire race of people in one category and say, oh, white people are racist. No, racists are racist. Racism is not exclusive to one race. You have racist Asians, you have racist Latinos, racist Jews, racist Muslims. If you're a racist, you're a racist. It's an individual, personal choice. That is something that you chose to do. It may be due to your upbringing. It may be the norm in your home or your community. But it, it's, it's a you thing. It's right. not something that, that you feeling that way is not because of, you don't feel racist because you're not racist because you're white. You're racist because you choose to be racist. And I'm sick of people inferring that simply because someone is born into a certain race, that they should be guilted into feeling sorry for people that are descendants of people who went through great trauma. It's like slavery happened hundreds of years ago. We had the Jim Crow era, the civil rights movement. So much progress has been made. And I'm not trying to minimize those things. Those injustices should be, you know, we learn about them in school. They're taught in history. There's, you, can, you can't avoid learning about them. Mm-hmm. But, to impl- but to infer that people today, that my white neighbor should somehow either pity me or be more cautious of what they say to me because I'm black and they're white that they have to beat around the bush and not say certain things because I'm going to be offended. It's like, no, that's not, not for one, not everything that someone says makes them a racist. I was like, just because you encounter, I'll use a name, Susan, just because Susan at Starbucks gives you her asticus does not mean that she's a racist. Maybe she's just a horrible person. Maybe she's having a bad day at work, but I'll be in situations where after someone will encounter someone who's ignorant or being rude when we leave out you assume that that rudeness 
stemmed from them being racist, that they're only treating you that way because of your race. And I'm like, that's, that, while that, that is a possible option, I don't feel like that should be your go-to assumption. Right. Unless you have concrete evidence to back it up. I'm not going to sit here and say, no matter what rude things you say to me, unless you explicitly use the N-word or a known, a known trope, then yeah. I'm not going to sit there and label you with something that's so damaging to people's, to your entire, that can, that can yeah. ruin a person. See, that's the thing. Racism is blatant. You, you know you know when you are hit in the face with it. And I, I feel like most people now are trying to find something racist with people. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's there just like you just, like you were explaining that um, you, somebody might be having a bad day. You might have just a bad interaction with somebody and then someone goes, oh, it's because they're racist. It's, it's like we're finding something yeah. to use against him. And I, I feel like people who do that, that doing that in and of itself, to me, in my opinion, is racist. If I go somewhere and I have a bad experience with someone and afterwards I say to my friend, oh, they're only acting like that because we're black. That's me being racist. In my, to me, that's racism. I, because I'm assuming that because the person on the other end is white, that their rude behavior, is, that, oh, they're rude to black people because they're racist. But I don't know this person from a can of paint right. to even say that they're racist in the first place. I feel like calling someone a racist just because you, to me, that's racism as well. It's like, I'm not going to sit here and label something as some, label someone as something simply because, what is it supposed to be assumed that white people are racist? Because back in the day they had slaves and Back in the day, they were for segregation. I was like, well, if you want to use the slavery argument, every culture on this planet has gone through their run-of-the-mill slavery. There's been an encounter with slavery across centuries for everyone. I was like, people, quote-unquote, woke black people will try to say, that well, the Egyptians were black. And I was like, I I believe that to a degree. I mean, it's in Africa. I was like, so if, the, if we're going to use that, if that's, the, if that's what you're going to accept as facts, okay, we can give you that. The Egyptians were black. But if that's the case, and we know that the Egyptians enslaved the Jews, mm-hmm. do you feel as though Jewish people should hate, shouldn't they hate us? Should they not, you know, look at us with disdain? Oh, well, that was thousands of years ago. Well, I wasn't around for that. Oh, okay, but it, it doesn't matter if you were there. You're descended from people from ages and ages hence that were responsible for it. So where are their reparations and why are you not paying for it? Now there's a, an excellent segue into my next question. Um, the Democrats uh, or liberals, whatever you want to call them, they're trying to use reparations uh, as a voting tactic, which to me in itself, I would, I would consider extremely racist. Like why would you pay off a segment of society to get their vote? Basically, basically, uh, that's that's all reparations is. It's a, it's a it's a political tool that you're using to pander to people because if you say it, it'll sound good and people will be gullible enough to think that they're going to benefit from it and they think that you giving it to them means that you're there's like this savior mentality that I don't need anyone to save me <laughs> and it, it's annoying. It's like I don't need. Why do you think I need a check in the mail because of slavery? Well, because I'm black, it's like why well, that, like you said, that I feel like that's racist in and of itself. Like, and we've already assume, done it. 
it, it didn't work, but we've, it, we did it. We did it. Why would we try and do it now? It's, 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 it's so frustrating. It's like people, Democrats, I don't know, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I don't know what, you know, mass email gets sent out at the beginning of each day, at the beginning <laughs> of each week that gives them all the common talking points and things that they're all going to give. It's like, well, no, these are the things we're going to run on. Reparation sounds good. You know, the black people are going to vote for us if we say we want reparation. I feel like these are the kinds of conversations that happen behind closed doors. And I feel bad for thinking that. But I can't help but think that those are the types of conversations they have. Of course, with, they like, people get people get in a room, and you know, they're tr- coming up with campaign strategy. Everyone mm-hmm. does that. But when you're can't when you're sitting there strategizing about how you can, what stra- what what idea do you think will allow us to garner the most votes within this particular community? And someone said, "Oh, hey, reparation. Right. Great, great idea, Brian. Put that down. Put that on the board." Which to me is is incredibly illegal because it's bribery. Yeah, and my whole thing is you're not going to take that. That's another form of wealth redistribution. You're not going to take taxes from this person Mm -hmm. and then redistribute them in the form of a check or however they think they're going to implement this to other people. That's not that's not how that's supposed to work. And what these people. It sounds callous coming from someone who is black, but it, I don't. I I don't mince my words. It's it, we, you don't deserve it. It's not like you were. It's, it'd be different if slavery ended, you know, twenty years ago, and your grandmother was the one who was a slave, and you know, your grandchild. Maybe then I might want something from the government. You know, if it was if it was something that recently happened and it directly impacted my life, sure, why not? But. Right. Slavery, I've never been a slave. I don't know anyone who has been a slave. The white people I know never owned slaves. I'm sure you could probably find someone way, way back that did, but I'm pretty sure um, there's been so much mixing and stuff amongst cultures and races. You can go through anyone's ancestry and probably find a family member that owned a slave. Right. So it's not, it's not relevant to me. It's not you giving me this check as a form of monetary payment to say sorry isn't. That's, I, don't, I don't need the apology, for one. I don't need the apology. It, it, the fact that we've been able to progress to where we are now is all the apology I needed. The fact that I have the freedom to use the same, to sit, in the, to sit wherever I want on a bus, that was all the apology I needed. The fact that I can go into a restaurant and not be kicked out because I'm black, that's all the apology I needed. The fact that I can run for the highest office in the land and win is yeah. all the apology that was ever needed. The opportunity, this country is all about opportunity. You know, and honestly, everyone, it's, it's not even about the opportunity. It's the empowerment to know yes. that you can do whatever you want in this country. Exactly. And nothing, when you get held back, when you go through your hardships, your, your first go to if you everyone success isn't something that comes easy it's something that you have to fight for unless you were born to a super rich family and most of us were not so everyone has the ability to get up in the morning we all have the same 24 hours in a day how are you using your 24 hours and how am i using my 24 hours to make my life better there are going to be things that are going to knock you down you're going to feel bad you're going to want to get up but you shouldn't think that those failures that do come your way you shouldn't sit there and 
psych yourself out and say, oh, I can't get ahead or I can't do this. And it's because of my race. Right. It's because of my sexuality. It's because of the, it's because, no, it's, it's not because of those things. In, an, in a certain individual circumstance, you may have had something that may have been a result of one of those things, but over, you're not going to sit there and make this broad statement that your life is where it is, that you're being held back. You're being oppressed <laughs> because of your race or your sexuality or your religion even. And it's like, no, this is the United States. You can do almost anything you want. As long as it's not against the law, you, you can do a lot. And you can be anything you want to put your mind to. So if you're going to do something, get out there and do it. Stop making excuses and feeling sorry for yourself and blaming your circumstances on the, the color of your skin does not dictate your circumstances. Like I said, I'm from the hood. Not once. And I, I live in the hood now. I look around, I see abandoned buildings. I see, you know, trash on the street. I have this app on my phone that tells you when there's like a crime in your area. There was someone who got shot, not, not a few blocks from my home. But I don't think that I'm, I would never sit down and tell another person, you know, the, my, my life is where it is right now. I'm living where I'm living in the neighborhood I'm living because I'm black. I can't get ahead because I'm black. I would never say that because that's, it wouldn't be factually true. Right. I have made, in the past, I've gone through phases where I've made poor decisions and had to deal have. with the consequences of those decisions. Yep. And it doesn't matter the color of your skin. We've all yeah. gone through it. It's part of, of growing up. And it's yeah. like, I, I need more people to realize that we're all human, we're all American, and everyone goes through similar struggles. While media and Hollywood, like once again, back to the earlier topic, while they may make it seem like the only people struggling in America are, you know, black people living in the hood, there are poor, there are just as many poor white people, there are just as many poor Asians, poor Hispanic people, as there are poor black people. The fact that Hollywood intentionally gives off this vibe that, oh, no, when you think of poverty, what do you think? Kids living in the hood. That, that like I said, I feel like it's intentional and it's racist. But that's not the reality of the country. The reality is there are poor people across the spectrum. Poverty is something that affects everyone. It's not based on the color of your skin. That's why when people say, I, like, I don't believe in white privilege i don't feel as though just because you were born white that you are any more special any more likely to receive success than i am and the reason i feel that way is because like i i know white people that are in the same predicament i'm in so if white privilege was really this all-powerful force that you know overcomes everything it it just it, it looks at hardship and says nope i'm white no hardship over here, no struggle over here. If white privilege was actually real, you wouldn't have poor white people. Right. There would be there there would there would be none because a white person would be able to walk into a job, go to an interview or whatever, and automatically get the job simply because they were white. No, I've had people go to interviews. I've been to interviews, group interviews with large groups of people. May have been one of the only black people there, and I was the only person who was hired from the group of twenty people. They didn't hire the Asian girl. They didn't hire the three white guys that were there. They didn't hire neither of the 16 white girls that were there. They chose me. So if white privilege was a thing, I would, I would assume if it was as powerful as people make it out to be, that those people would have gotten the job and I would have been the one still putting in application places. It, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not real. Do you have, 
are there people individually who are prejudiced and think, might you encounter a CEO or a manager or hiring a hiring manager that's racist? You might. There might be one out there that looked at your application or had you in front of them for the interview and said, you know, I just don't like, I don't like your people, so I'm not going to go with you for this job. Of course, they didn't say it to your face. I'm sure there are some people that do that, but you're not going to speak as if that's the norm, as if that's what the, that's society as a whole, because it's not. I, um, I just want to thank you for the time today. You know, this is a great insight, you know, from, from another person. I mean, you're between your age and your just, you know, everything. We just don't get enough conversation. And I'm sure that our conversation today, somebody's going to have an issue with it, but whatever. Um, you can't please everyone. <laughs> no. <laughs> what, um, what is your Twitter handle? So anybody that's listening can find you and we'll put that in the details of the podcast as well. It's Aaron Ben Wavy, Aaron with an E R I N. Ben B E E N Wavy W A V Y. You know, and uh, I'd love to have you back with more discussions. I mean, there's always sure any any time. So I enjoyed it. Well, great. Oh, this has been the American Perspective. I am Josh Newmark, and with me today has been Enrique Taylor. All of his information is going to be in the details section of the podcast. So if you want to get in touch with him, follow him on Twitter. Please do so. You won't regret it. So until next time, thank you so much for listening.